5K every day in the month of May 2022 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and today is Saturday, May 28. But today is also so much more than that. Today is the day for 5K May. That's right. Today is the day that many of you crazy 5K mayors will be running and or walking a 5K every hour on the half hour for 12 hours. If you are one of those crazies, You are awesome. You're crazy, but you are awesome. Remember that the 5K Mayhem Challenge is only a bonus challenge. You do not have to complete the 5K Mayhem in order to complete the 5K May 2022 Challenge. Also remember that the 5K Mayhem Challenge is not a speed challenge. You simply have to get finished with your 5K within 60 minutes so that you can start a new 5K on the half hour. Our daily fun photo challenge for today is to run or walk more than one 5K and post a collage of selfies from each one. To get us started today, though this is not much of a pump-up, upbeat, get-you-going song, it may be the prayer for many of us today. We are hoping for good weather, wherever you are or wherever you may be attempting the 5K Mayhem Challenge. So here is a song from Poland Band called Storm Chaser. The clouds are rolling in And I need you To rise up and save me Cause only you can speak To the wind and the waves That are crashing over me And rolling inside of me Oh, can you calm the storm in my Send the clouds away Can you calm the storm in my soul? Can you make me new again? Can you make me new Father's heart 
This week's Bible memory verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's go ahead and jump into our daily Bible reading. We are currently in the Gospel of John. Chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. 
I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. I have noticed throughout the years that so many people are offended by Christianity. What is it about Christianity that makes it so offensive to others? While I'm sure there are countless answers to this question, one of the most common honest answers has to be the exclusivity of Christianity. Jesus really did not leave much wiggle room. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, verse 6. And that's pretty exclusive. Jesus did not say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He is not one of the ways. He is the only way. While the world continues to offer and push an unrealistic hope of life apart from Jesus, it cannot deliver what it promises. While it may be politically correct to encourage all religions to coexist, it is not logically feasible or physically possible that they can. Many world religions, including atheism, by the way, are diametrically opposed to Christianity. And Christianity does not allow for the possibility of other ways to God. Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the life. Now, I'm certainly not attempting to advocate using physical force to eliminate other religions. Please don't get it twisted. The battle against Christianity is a spiritual battle, and we fight with spiritual weapons. But we do fight. We fight for truth. We do what he did. We pray for people like he did. We care for people like he did. We share the good news of the kingdom of God with people like he did. We follow Jesus because he is the way. And those who come to see the truth of the goodness and the exclusivity of Christ will be ushered into the presence of the Father through him and through him alone. That is the only place where true, eternal, abundant life is found. Follow Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. Chapter 15. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, 
your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love one another. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what was written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. I asked earlier in the month if anyone had suggestions for podcast guests this year, and I was happy to hear that one of those suggestions was none other than my good friend, Scott Price. Well, here we are. We're talking with Mr. Scott Price. Scott, I'm so excited that you are joining us for this podcast. You know, I asked earlier in the month if anybody had any suggestions for podcast guests, and I originally thought it'd be fun to reach out to you and have you on the podcast but then I considered your schedule and figured there's no way I could get the elusive Scott Price on this podcast. But the people have spoken and they want you on here. And so I'm so excited to see your face and for people to get to hear your voice. For anybody who's listening in, maybe for those one or two people who did not suggest you for the podcast, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who we're talking to? I am so honored to do anything with you, man. Anytime I get to partner with you in ministry uh, or good days, uh, I'm just uh, sad that there's not a cup of Starbucks in front of us because that usually <laughs> is part of the deal. That's why I thought it was going to be in your, your really cool uh, studio there. And I was going to bring Starbucks over, but, you know, we're doing this online, so it uh, didn't happen. But next time, you know. But, yeah, I'm super honored as well, too, and it's a good time for sure. Actually, I'm like a, I'm like a split personality. You know? That's probably going to be scary. Most people just check out right now. But I'm actually uh, I'm a youth pastor and uh, love investing in students and leaders who invest in students. And uh, I do that at Mosaic Church in Wadsworth, and we're seeing God do incredible things there. At the same time, I'm also a missionary to youth ministries. And so that involves um, local youth ministries as well as nationally. I get the chance to be involved with youth ministries all over the nation. And uh, we're in Cuba as well as the Dominican Republic and Guatemala and my favorite place, Brazil. So uh, I speak some uh, Portuguese and I love uh, going to Brazil specifically. So that in a nutshell, but we, we direct a summer camp that's coming up in uh, two and a half weeks. We will get to see 600 plus students and leaders and have the chance to invest in them, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, help make disciples uh, that will hopefully, by the end of the week, um, raise up some disciple makers, some students who, and leaders who will want to invest their life into other disciples. And so uh, we do that in, in a local ministry, get to do that nationally, 
and already making plans to return to Brazil in November. So the international part is, is a component too. So just like you, Jeff, I, I'm a missionary. I go by faith and as the Lord provides, the more we do. So that's in a nutshell who I am. And of course, being here in, in Wayne County since 93, but I grew up in this county as well too. So um, a lot of good, good connections here. And I'm just glad I get to be your friend. Now, you made a pretty bold claim there. And you said, you know, a little bit of Portuguese. I can't just let you off the hook. You're going to have to prove it. So I want to hear your favorite passage of scripture in Portuguese, or you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> okay. That verse that Jesus wept is Ellie um, <laughs> Short A. <laughs> he cried. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was cheating, but we're just, just going to have to take your word for it, I guess. Now, Scott, you have participated in the 5K Every Day in the Month of May Challenge in the past, and if I remember correctly, you had so much fun that you told me you would never do it again, and yet here you are doing the 5K Every Day in the Month of May 2022 Challenge. I'm just curious, how has it been going for you? Why did you decide to do it again, which was the right decision, I think, and also, you're doing something interesting this year. You're doing your 5Ks in a different location every single day. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so the why is you. <laughs> it sounds like an alphabet game, right? The why is you. You are the reason why I'm doing it again. I, I Like I said, I was not going to do it again because uh, I just felt uh, like um, maybe a younger version of me would have enjoyed this more. But here it is two years later, and, I, <laughs> and you just have a way of, of making challenges that are hard to turn away. And so I uh, went for it. And truthfully, this time, I actually feel better than I did that time, uh, which is very interesting. I don't feel strong, but I didn't on that one, of course. But this one, I don't feel like I, the last time I felt like I was on the verge of injuries, you know, but I didn't have any. But this time, I don't feel that at all. So, so I feel like maybe I'm even stronger. So it's actually going really well. And uh, surprisingly, but I'd already started something because of you, you motivated me in the sense that by doing 1100 days in a row, or more of 5k's plus the 400 day uh, streak you had before, uh, I'm doing a goal, my goal is a little different now. And it's going to be, I'm going to do at least some workout every day for the rest of my life, hopefully. But uh, uh, so I'm on day, uh, I guess this will be day 57. So for the month beforehand, the month of April, I, I did a workout or a run, at least one of those every day. And so now I'm on day 57. So I'm on my way to uh, to being like you, man. What? What? You don't want to be like me. You are a very, very good version of you. And I, I know some of your workouts. I couldn't even think about doing some of those. You're not just a strong runner, but I mean, you've got biceps as big as my head but you you did skirt the question about um tell us a little bit about you running in a different location each day i find that so interesting what was the inspiration behind that how's that going maybe there's some people doing the 5k every day in the month of may challenge this year who want to embrace that next year that could be kind of fun you know what was fun about it was i remember when someone challenged me to run my first marathon and what he said was it was the best way that he could finish was he had to remember that it was more of a mental uh, accomplishment than it was a physical accomplishment. So I thought, well, if I'm going to be running 100 miles this month or more by doing these 5Ks every day, how can I mentally stay engaged? And so the fact that I've run a different location every day feels like a brand new experience. So there's no same old, same old. And so that's really, really been fun. So I feel like that's one of the reasons why I'm doing better is I feel uh, like I can't wait for the next 5K now. 
uh, it's getting pretty difficult to find new locations, at least within driving distance, uh, you know, but I also found that there are times when I'm just out of town anyhow, and that's a perfect time to to engage a different location. So the beauty of having these watches is I can go out and I can gauge how far I'm going and see, oh, I'm, I'm about, I'm a mile and a half out. So should, I should start wrapping up now. And so I just create routes. And so, yeah, it's been a different one and I take pictures every time. So I have something to remember it by. So uh, yeah, this is a very special month, but I, I like that part. And uh, it's kind of fun when I celebrate somebody's location because they usually say something about it. Like, hey, I live by there. Hey, you were, uh, you ran in my neighborhood or, or my town or something like that. Yeah, I think it's been fun. I've enjoyed that aspect of the challenge from you this year because I'm kind of playing, you know, like the old Where's Waldo books. I'm playing Where's Scott, see if I can figure out where you're at from the pictures. That's been kind of cool. I'm curious, Scott, you are definitely an encourager. I've always appreciated that about you. But here in the final days of the challenge, what kind of encouragement can you offer to the people who are still going strong I really believe the people who are still in this challenge, there is nothing that's going to stop them from completing it. But I'm also curious, what then? You know, what kind of encouragement can you offer to people at this point, almost finished, finished strong, and then what? You know, that's a great question because I feel like having the chance to, you know, be involved in fitness. I started lifting when I was 20. I started running when I was 40. Well, um, in a couple of years, I'm going to be at that 60 mark. I wonder what's going to happen then. I'm not sure. But I feel like that if we keep looking at life and realizing that this body that God gave us is a temple and it's a temple to be used for him, man, I want it to be in great shape. You know, we won't let our car run down, but uh, we let our bodies run down all the time. It seems like it, it doesn't make sense to me because we can always get another car, can't get another body, you know, and this is the one that if I'm healthy and strong and someone says, hey, can you come? and do ministry with us across the country. I'm like, I don't have to think twice. I don't have to say, boy, let me get over this or that, you know? And so being healthy and strong is a benefit for ministry. And I love the scriptures that encourage us to do that as well too. So uh, I feel like the biggest biggest victory right now is finishing. And there's so, many, so much about uh, that in the scriptures about uh, finishing the race well, you know, and and uh, fighting the good fight and finishing that. And so that's exciting. My fear is actually more, not so much about getting through to day 31, because I feel like if anybody's to day 27, man, they're right around the corner. My fear is, what do they do on June 1st? Because I feel like there's a temptation to go, I'm out, man, I did it. I made a commitment. I'll never do that again. It's like some guy did two years ago, you know, but <laughs> I think that more importantly is what do we do after that? Yeah, take a good rest day, whatever it is you need to do. But man, good habits have been formed during this time. And I would just hope that people would find a way to continue on because like, hey, instead of doing a 5K every day, what if you do a mile a day? you know, and then have a long day or something, find a, a, something that works for you. Like, yeah, like for instance, I found the different location thing worked for me. That won't work for everybody else, but what works for, for you, you know? And so if you can do something, anything, just keep that body moving, uh, man, so much more we can do for God. Yeah. I really love that advice. And I think it's amazing that people are doing a 5k every day in the month of May. That really is, a, it's an incredible accomplishment. But I, I have to be honest, even when people complete that challenge, which again is amazing, and then I see them just kind of fall off the face of the activity earth, uh, does kind of break my heart a little bit because one of the things that we want to see happen through this 5K every day in the month of May challenge, I mean, I, I'm not secretive about this, I don't think. I want to help people get active, just like you're talking about, so that they can serve the Lord in whatever capacity he's asking them to. But even with this podcast and the scripture reading challenge, I also want to see people 
be able to see Jesus clearly and to be able to recognize who he is and what he has done, maybe for people to put their faith in Christ for the very first time, or for people who are walking with Christ to walk more intentionally and, and maybe, you know, more consistently with him. The, the 5k every day is awesome, but the three chapters of scripture is really the big win. And just like, I don't want to see people stop running on June 1st, man, I don't want to see people stop connecting to the Father, stop looking at Jesus on June 1st either. And you're going to help us understand a little bit here from John 15, which is one of my favorite passages. I'm sure is one of your favorite passages. It's an incredible invitation from Jesus, which is not just a May invitation. It's a forever and always invitation to abide in Him. Can you just share a little bit with us Help us to look a little deeper into what's going on here in John 15. Oh, I, I love it. In fact, I love this whole uh, reading today of, of all these three chapters put together. I don't, it was so hard to even choose where to talk from because, you know, you think about what's going on here, Jeff. This is the last days for Jesus. You know, the celebration has already happened as far as the triumphal entry, the march in the town, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, all that came with that. And now is a time where he is, he is setting up his disciples for greater things. And yet he's going to be facing his darkest days all at the same time. I mean, the emotional feel, you know, remember all the political struggle that's going on at this time as well too, too between the Jewish leadership as well as uh, the Roman leadership and everything that's going on at this time, the, uh, the incredible tension and the emotions that are riding so high. And here he is with his, his disciples and he pulls this time uh, aside where he is going to invest in them. And you think about the power of, of last words. And these are some of those last words for Jesus. And I think, and man, if I were, if I knew this was the last time I was going to see some of my friends in Brazil, and maybe it was in a, a region that I'll, I'll never get to go back to, man, I would have to choose my words pretty clearly, you know, and I feel like Jesus does that here in a way that, I mean, even the greatest literary works can never match. I mean, it, just the beauty in what he says here is enough to, to en enthrall me, let alone just uh, see the message he's bringing forth here. Uh, and so in John 15, if it's all right, I'd like to get into that a little bit and see um, what he's saying here, because he tells them, he says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, in verse one. And that verse alone is packed with so much more than what I, I used to understand. He says, I'm the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. He's drawing this picture that here he is like a vineyard, and he is the um, he's the true vine, and his father is taking care of that vineyard, and that'd be the, his father, you know, it's God. When he says, I am the true vine, uh, we think, oh, well, that's great. He's clarifying that, right? He wants to make sure we understand that there's vines, and he's the real one, right? He's the best, you know, and, you know, whatever it is, Jesus is better, right? And so he's making that clear. But it's actually so much more than that. I found that, that when he's saying this, he's actually declaring to his disciples, something that, that in the Jewish culture they would understand. They had heard many times throughout the Old Testament, and I think like seven or eight different passages, that the nation of Israel was the vine, but it wasn't a good vine. The prophets would use that as a picture to remind them that, wow, you have so much potential, you have so much purpose, and you're not fulfilling it. <laughs> so it's not good news. And so when he tells them he's, that he's the true vine, it's a declaration of who he is, while at the same time also making them making it very clear to them, you're not measuring up, that you are still part of this nation that's never, that's never getting it right, you know, not on a consistent basis, at least. And so 
he sets the tone there very clearly and that God is working in all these things. In my verse two, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so he's making this picture clear about branches. And he says, what happens to these branches? And, and he says, the, the branches don't bear fruit. He's going to take that away. They're not fulfilling their purpose. It's not working. It's not what they were called to do. And so if they're not working, there's the point, point of this whole passage is going to be about production. And he's not, these branches are not producing. So there's branches doing zero fruit, no fruit. And then you have the branch that is producing fruit. And so that's good news because that's what they're supposed to do, except for when they produce fruit, he prunes them. <laughs> so you almost, you know, it's funny because you think about what is better, you know, uh, not getting pruned, you know, or getting pruned, uh, knowing that you're producing it. So that's the point is that, um, you know, they are actually doing what, you know, what's supposed to happen. Fruit is actually being produced there. But if you think about that, a picture in our life, if we are being pruned how many times do we sign up for that right it's like lord i will serve you i want to help make a difference for you i'll do anything you want except for and we start filling in the blanks right or when we start to serve him and and things start happening and then here comes uh some pruning because god sees that great potential in us and and so that we would actually produce more fruit he he trims us back you know like ouch <laughs> you know and we think that's pain that pain is actually a bad thing and yet that's actually what needs to happen. I was talking to someone uh, who works in a vineyard and he was talking about this passage to me and he was explaining, or not this passage, but just the whole vineyard process. And it's like, it's when there's production is why there's got to be so much pruning. In fact, that pruning, he said, many times it's up to 90% of that, that vine is going to be trimmed back and it's done in the off season when they're not growing. So, you know, sometimes we, we feel in our life, you know, and there's times when we're not producing fruit, things that are not happening spiritually the way we want them and then there comes this pruning and we're thinking this is awful everything how could it get any worse well that's just when pruning takes place many times it can be wherever god wants but sometimes it's in that season of where we're not seeing fruit happen because that's the best time for it at least for a vine and so up to 90 percent of that is taken away and think about how much god wants to use us but how much of us he has to cut back ouch <laughs> i don't like that because i think i want god to like I think he wants, you know, a lot of me, but yet he, uh, he does. He knows how much of me he needs in there. He doesn't print it all back, but there's a lot of he's going to cut back, you know. And so we see that happening here with this 90% or more that he's saying, hey, uh, so you can bear more fruit, we're going to cut you back. And then verse 3 says, already you have been clean. You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so here it is. I love verse 3 in the sense that he says, hey, you know, you the vine that have not been producing for all these years, Israel, um, my friends, your, my disciples, um, I want to make you make it clear that you are clean, though. Not based on what you've done, but based on the fact that you have placed your trust in the. If there was ever 11 guys that uh, placed their trust in him, it was these guys, right? They are now with him right to the end. They don't know what's getting ready to happen, but here they are. They have exercised that. He reminds them it's because of knowing him that they are clean and how, what great news that must be for them after being reminded of their shortcomings that, that they can continue to not measure up to that he reminds them. But here, remember the good news is that you have done the right thing. You've placed your faith in me and you are clean. And so I'm sure it's kind of confusing. Like, so are we good? Are we bad? What is going on here? And yet uh, he makes it clear to him 
to them that um, you are clean in me. Goes on, verse four says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And so he introduces this thought of, of abiding now. And I love this idea because how does a vine produce? How does a vine be a great vine? Uh, especially if he's going to compare that to us here in the, the next verse or so. And he says that a vine can only produce when it is abiding in the true vine. Or, I'm sorry, a branch can only produce uh, when it's abiding in the true vine. So we are branches, as he will declare here. But the only way we as a branch can produce uh, is by abiding in my kids saying we're a vine, but we're the branches and he being the true vine by being connected to him, by abiding in him. And the different versions have different ways of saying that. But one says to, to do life with him, to live in him, to make our abode in him, to have our home with him, to really just spend life with him. That relationship that, that we've always wanted, always needed is in him. And by abiding in him, we can produce much fruit. So as a branch, that is how we can produce. And so that's the, the big win there, because if we don't, he says, when we try to do it without him, we can produce no fruit. And Jeff, I don't know about you, man. There have been so many times I've been doing ministry for lots of reasons or trying to serve God because it's the right thing to do, uh, obligation. I made a commitment or whatever, and I wasn't abiding in him. And boy, I can tell. <laughs> I can just tell, you know, I am not abiding you, Lord. I need to take a time out <laughs> and go to the corner and I got to take some time right now. And Lord, I'm so sorry. I am not abiding you. This is not... Um, I am a branch that's useless. I'm no good. I, I need to abide in you. And it's funny because branches have one job. I mean, they have a couple of things to consider. And that's one of those is to abide in him. And so when we talk about our relationship with God, how important that is, uh, that time with him is so valuable uh, that we would truly connect with him, that we'd walk with him. And that's not like just go to church. And that's abiding, but abiding is literally just walking with him day by day uh, throughout the day and talking to him on a regular basis, just as you would with a real friend. And so that idea is that we, we need to abide in him. And it goes on and says, he reminds us again, as I messed up already, uh, he is the vine and we are the branches. <laughs> we are not the vines uh, in verse five. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's talking about fruit again, which is really cool because he says abiding is important for, for a branch, abiding that vine. And then he says, so that we can bear much fruit. I love that. So in verse two, he was talking about there's branches that bear no fruit. In verse two, he also talks about branches that bear some fruit. And then in that same verse, uh, he also talks about branches that will bear more fruit. And there he's talking now, he's talking about bearing much fruit. And later on, he's going to talk uh, we won't have time to get into, but another verse he talks about bearing everlasting fruit or lasting fruit. And so there's different ways a, a branch can actually be fruitful. And so many times we see that in our lives as well, too. He's calling us branches now. And so he's calling that out and he's calling his disciples, I, say, I should say specifically, which I choose to be a disciple. And um, as we choose to do that, we realize that we can be that way as well, too. We can be a branch that bears no fruit, uh, some fruit. Uh, more fruit, much fruit. And I want to be a branch that produces lasting fruit. And to do that, he's making this clear to them that they can't do it on their own. They can't do it through their own power. And, and so he's making that very clear. Who's the vine? Who's the branch? And it's about producing fruit. And I know we could go on here and on and on, but I think the point I wanted to make about this passage was 
um, is there's, it's simple. We make complicated, we make it so complicated. Sometimes we think the more we know about Jesus, the more we know the Bible, the more we study all this stuff, it's so helpful. But the Christian life really boils down to this passage, making it very simple is that number one, a branch's number one job is to abide in Jesus. Stay connected. You know, like right now, if this Wi-Fi goes down, you're not going to hear the rest of the story, right? <laughs> We've got to be connected. And the connection is so important. We live in a world where connection matters more than ever before. It always mattered in our relationship with God. It's always meant everything. So by being connected to him, so abiding in him, connected to him, and then why, do, why are we abiding in him? Well, many of us think it's because... Oh, good. I, I finally found peace. I found happiness. I found joy. I found purpose. All these are wonderful things. I found eternal life. It's great. It's being in Jesus. There's so many great things. I've got the abundant life. So because I'm abiding in him, I get these things. But the, a branch was, is not supposed to just receive. It's supposed to receive and pass on. So as we abide in him, we are to bear fruit. And so it's just that simple. Abide in Jesus, bear fruit. Abide in Jesus, bear fruit. And if I can do really good at abiding in Jesus and keep thinking my life is intentional about making disciples, bearing fruit, bearing the fruits of the spirit, bearing fruit in other lives, I'm going to be an okay branch. And I think that's what I want to be. And I love this passage. And as you can tell, I can get a little excited or passionate about it. In fact, I could, we could go a long, long time on this. I won't do that today. But uh, as we said earlier, it would be pretty cool if you just think about, I want to know the rest of the story. And so in your devotions today, take some time to read John chapter 15 and learn more about this great relationship that results in bearing fruit, giving us great purpose. That is a good word. As we continue this podcast, as we continue this 5K May 2022 challenge, and as we continue in life, let's abide in Christ. I think we're going to go ahead and do a bonus song today. I just can't get through this John 15 passage without being reminded of a song that I wrote several years ago called Remain in My Love. So on this 5K Mayhem Saturday, let's go ahead and listen to a bonus song before continuing on to John 16. My 
Chapter 16. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but I can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me? And I am going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me, but in a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering from the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father to the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there is no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Take heart, because I have overcome the world. You know, in this crazy world that we are living in, I can't think of anything that brings me more peace than knowing that I can take heart, because Jesus, my Lord and Savior, has overcome the world. So let's abide in him. Let's remain in his love. And as we abide in him, let's bear much fruit. And let's live in the awareness that we can take heart. There is nothing that this world can throw at us that Jesus has not already overcome. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's continue to be mindful of who Jesus is and of what he has done. And let's end with a song from Poland Band called, I Am the Lord Your God.
I have called you by name, declared you are mine. You are precious to me, and I'll not forsake you. I'll be your husband if you'll be my bride. Take my hand, give me your life. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and all of the rivers shall not overwhelm. When you walk through the fire, shall not be burned. Flames cannot consume you, for I am the Lord your God. Take heart, this world brings its troubles, but do not be troubled, for I have overcome. If you've seen the sun. I'm not overwhelmed When you walk through the fire 